Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week, we are only talking about three things, the Browns, the Tribe, and the Sopranos. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Danko is here. Hi, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Assistant to the co-host, Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to get an A on my jersey. That's great. <laughs> you wanted a promotion? You got it, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't we start with you tonight, Chucky? Last oh. week, the Dollar Tree announced that it would be adding products to its shelves that cost more than a dollar. But the name of the store will not be changing to more than a Dollar Tree. Chuck, can you trust anything anymore? And what's the best thing other than a 40 you ever purchased for a buck? Uh, no, you can't trust anything anymore. <laughs> that's for sure. But kudos to Dollar Store for keeping everything at that price point for God knows how long. <laughs> everything has become more expensive. So I hope there isn't a lot of backlash. I hope they survive the incoming wave of hatred. What's the best thing I ever bought for a dollar? Garbage mm. pail kid cards. Like, they, I was thinking the same thing. Were they only I was a thinking dollar? Like, like baseball cards Less or something than like that. Well, Back I, in the yeah, day, maybe. I, I mean, I know a, a young huskier version of me liked buying like when people were selling chocolate bars as fundraisers for a dollar <laughs> when I was a kid. So I'm gonna go with that. They were like knockoff <laughs> Nestle Crunch bars. The the young huskier version of you is when you were like what 35? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. That's that's cruel. No, I was wearing a lot of corduroys in grade school. It was that. <laughs> I'm just picturing the young Tony Soprano from the original exactly. Sopranos. Oh, from the, the little. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty close. Yep. All right, fellas, we'll move into our first segment this week. It'll just be the Hey Browns segment. The Browns versus the Vikings last Sunday. The Browns gut out a 14 to 7 win with a great defensive performance. They are three and one now for the first time since 1968, which sounds fantastic and might be true. I don't know. I looked it up and I couldn't find it. So I just picked a year and it seemed like they were really good in the late sixties. So that's what I went with. The internet doesn't go back that far. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. I couldn't find it. It may be that the Browns have never been three and one before, which sounds even better, but it was a great game. Like I said, for the defense, it was not a very good game for the offense. And it all started with the quarterback. Baker did not look sharp again. A lot of poor decisions. He missed throws all over the field. And after looking, I think, really good the first two weeks, he slipped a little bit last week against the Bears and really wasn't effective this week. But we're all really nice guys. You know, we're here to be lighthearted. We don't want to put anybody down. So I want you guys to put your therapist hats on. Uh -oh. What okay. advice do you have for Baker to improve on last week's performance? I want him to think about positive growth in all aspects of his life. Keep a good balance, get after the progressive commercials, laugh at home, get to practice, get in film room. Just take it easy, man. It's gonna be okay. Uh, he's gonna bounce back and probably hand the ball off 50 times in the next game. <laughs> <laughs> Tying shoes and handing off is That's what he's right. going to be doing. Exactly right. right. <laughs> Skills he has mastered. <laughs> Chuck, what what advice do you have for Baker? If he's he's on your couch, you're there to help him be the best version of himself that he can be. What do you have to say to him? I would probably try to unravel his mind from thinking about his performance the last two weeks 
maybe it's talking about eating chocolate bars as a child for a dollar and wearing corduroys. <laughs> uh, we try to get him to focus on something very positive other than the negativity he's either hearing from people like us, I'm assuming at some point coming up uh, or, <laughs> or national media or whatever, just something to get him out of his own head. Yeah. I think manifesting is a really important part of personal growth and, and bringing the best possible outcomes you can to yourself. And uh, so I would like to see him manifest some completions some passes to receivers who might be open by five or 10 yards, just late somewhere close where they can put their hands on it and make a play. But I agree with both of you. Stay positive, have a short memory, move on. Is there any concern that this is an injury issue? Do you think his non-throwing shoulder is causing him to be inaccurate? I'm going to say, I hope that's what it is. And maybe we could defer to Phil because Phil is a learned doctor of sports science and medicines. <laughs> But, wow. uh, you know, there's put that on my t- I would like that <laughs> co-host <laughs> comma learned doctor of sports science and medicine. Uh, because, I mean, we've seen Baker be off. Yeah. But not this off where you're missing or underthrowing or I mean, he typically sails high sometimes, but th- there were plenty of plays where receivers were open for first downs on third and he, he just missed them. So I'm hoping that that's part of the issue uh, and not God, who was one of the second basemen who forgot how to throw in Chuck Knobloch, Chuck, no- Chuck Knobloch, Steve Sachs might've been another one. I, I, I appreciate hope not- you not bringing up me. I didn't even think about it. It didn't even pop into my head just now. It did not pop into my head. I'm assuming it's got to be injury related. And again, I I should defer to Phil here as uh, the only one with uh, anything, a medical background in this group. I agree with you, Chuck. I I feel like I I hope it is injury related because if it's not, what are we looking at? Right? Like that, this is not Baker. Like his calling card forever was accuracy. And this looks rough these last few games, but if it is injury related, even though it's the non-throwing shoulder, all accounts I've read anyway, he, he basically dislocated his non-throwing shoulder, got it back into position. So there's a there's some damage in there that if it was his throwing shoulder, he'd be done for the season. It's not, so they'll probably wait till the offseason to repair anything that they need to repair. But I have to imagine before a game, if it's pain that's limiting his throwing mechanics, they do something about that into that non-throwing shoulder, right? Like Do something? An, yeah, yeah. Do something with a rather large and flexible needle. Uh, and we're going to bathe that shoulder in what it's called lidocaine <laughs> and you <laughs> no. won't feel it. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting since that injury, he hasn't been quite the Baker we saw for the first, first two, two weeks. Games. I don't know how the shoulder impacts some of the decision-making because I can yeah, think of right. at least two plays where he tried to run for first downs on third downs. And one time I think he had DeFelton in the flat. And the other yeah. time I think he had hunt in the flat Wild. and he didn't even need to th- throw a good ball he just needed to flip it to him let them get the first down and the drive would have continued and i think the real concerning thing is if if this is baker and he might just be this guy who Mm. for two weeks he's lights out and for the next two weeks he's not and you just got to kind of roll with the inconsistency but if that's the case I, i don't know if this team goes as far especially in in a tough division as we hope they would because I don't think they win division games with him playing the way he did on Sunday. Depends Um, on what our defense does in that given game, right? Well, we're not ready to start talking about the D yet. I've got a couple things more. (laughs) I've got the D on the the brain, buddy. Always, (laughs) always thinking about the D. I think it's interesting that this happens in the game against Minnesota, because I think what we're talking about, we might be afraid of with Baker is a little bit of what Kurt 
Cousins career has been. There are times the dude's just off the charts good, but he never seems to make it to that like really elite level, never takes a team to like a deep playoff run. And it's the inconsistency that does it. Are we looking at another version of a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who's good, not great in Baker? I, th- I think we might be. I-, I still think it's a little too early to you know stamp that on him right now, given that he's four games into his second season of the same offensive playbook for the first time in his career, right? So let's see how this season plays out. It, it is interesting, though, because you saw in that game against the Vikings, it looked like I was watching two of the exact same teams play against each other. You know, it's like, all right, there's Kirk Cousins. That looks like our quarterback potentially three yeah. years from now. <laughs> you know, the score was what, 11 to 11 to seven forever. Uh, and, and the teams were just doing the same thing. And you looked at Kirk Cousins, you're like, yep, he's playing like Baker's playing right now. And thank God he is because we're still in this game. But I don't know. I, I guess, of course, the potential's there. We could be looking at a Kirk Cousins level quarterback where Baker's never, all right, he's never better than the top 12 to 15 quarterbacks in the league. But is that a quarterback that in any given year can win it for you? I I think, I think that can happen. All right. We're not getting that guy that, okay, let's hitch the wagon to this guy for a decade and we're going to win all the time. But again, he's got, he's can develop a ton in the, in the next year or two for sure, based on where he's at in his career. Chuck right now, would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think he's Baker better than Mayfield. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I think you're right. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt a lot, too. Okay, well, some some positive stuff. Because, I mean, listen, they still did win the game, which is the goal each week. So, uh, Chucky, who are you giving a game ball to on offense? Oh, man. Probably both running backs, but really Nick Chubb, who might have had the most quiet 100-yard game of his career. Yeah. Like I was, I was shocked that he ran for, for 100 yards, maybe because he didn't rip off anything that was 25 or 30 yards. It was just pounding and pounding and pounding and, and stacking it up. So I, I think Nick Chubb. Phil, game ball on offense. Well, let's let's keep it in the backfield and give it to Kareem Hunt. I think that, that we had 184 yards of rushing. Uh, he had the touchdown. I like what Stefanski's doing with this two-headed monster. You get the sense, like Chuck said, Nick Chubb rushed for 100 yards and you almost had no idea that happened, right? They're they're not even riding the hot guy. They're just splitting carries. Like they're out there, they're playing They're It's like a load management for running backs because you know, okay, at the end of the game, we're still rushing for nearly 200 yards in an NFL game. That's ridiculous. And this season. Season's a long season, and these you keep these guys fresher that way. And so far, so good. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Hunt because that was the shining part of the offense. Yeah, our, our rushing attack. I don't think I did we're like gonna... Baker's high step. That was I was almost going to give it to yeah. Baker for a yeah. high step. That was, <laughs> there you go. There that was pretty go. cool. But you know, that was good. I don't think we can give it to any of the receivers who each had one catch. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. whatever, like the nine completions or whatever there were. I appreciate you guys for keeping it all in the backfield because I'm giving the game ball to running back coach and MVP of rich dudes who look homeless stump Mitchell stump. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I couldn't decide between Chubb and hunt. And so he's in charge of both of them. And uh, the running game is fantastic. (laughs) And at times when there was a chance Baker's poor play was going to put us in a spot to lose that game, the running game kept us going. So good for those guys. Enough looking at the offense. Let's turn our gaze to the D. Am I on something or onto something. This game against Minnesota was a more impressive 
defensive performance than the nine sack game against the bears you are on to something bears rookie quarterback terrible game plan coming in terrible play calling minnesota i think had a top 10 if not a top five offense coming into this and after that first drive and went oh shit this might be a long day, but they did dick after that. You know, they terrible gazing at down. the D. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think you're on to something. A far more impressive performance this week than last. Uh, absolutely. You're on to something. This is the second best offense the Browns have faced this year to the Kansas City Chiefs. After that first drive, they shut them down. Absolutely shut them down without, they didn't dial up crazy blitzes. They got, they, they didn't, they got ended up with like two sacks total, I think, but they were pressuring Cousins every play. And when it mattered most at the end of the game, before they extended that lead to a, to a touchdown lead, they were all over him. He couldn't get the ball out and they, and it was just good to see. I saw guys closing. Greedy Williams had a great game. Guys in the defensive backfield were closing and knocking balls away. Much more impressive for all the reasons that Chuck mentioned. And and yeah, I think the, the Vikings, first of all, it's a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL with talented players in all the skill positions. They might've been a little bit banged up, but they came in, I think a top five offense in the NFL and, and yeah. the Browns shut them down. I agree with both of you. I'm onto something. Uh, that, was, <laughs> hey. that was a lot of fun to watch. What do you think, Phil was the key to that performance. Absolutely negating their rushing attack. So you look at the the Vikings offense and the Browns offense are nearly the same. I mean, it's the same coaching tree, right? So it, it looks very similar. The play calls these kind of things, and the exact opposite happens with the Browns. They establish the run, running game and they can take over a game and control it the way they do. They couldn't run at all. I, I lost count as to how many times our defensive linemen would be catching up in pursuit behind their running backs and dropping them at the line of scrimmage. It's like, all right, great. Uh, that was no gain. Uh, yeah. There were They had so many second and third and eights, and that was the best they can do on their running downs. Uh, it was great to, to shut that run game down. I would imagine that allowed the defensive backs to play – up a little bit and say, okay, they're going to, they're going to have to pass. <laughs> they're going to have to pass. And we don't have to worry about the running attack. Chucky, what do you think? What was the key to this performance by the defense? I think Phil might, might've hit on it pretty well. They, they have two really good receivers mm -hmm. and yep. you didn't see them. I, I think they rushed for most of the game. You didn't yep. see many blitzes. Yep. And he was constantly pressured when he was throwing. Uh, maybe Joe Woods did, did a real nice job on this yeah. on this game plan. To me, uh, and I said it last week, I believe, on the pod when we were hungover in Phil's living room, that <laughs> I, I was interested to see this team defense on turf, to see yeah, how fast right. they truly are. Yeah. And they are really fast. And, and that includes the D linemen. It was, uh, it was insane to me. And, and you could tell they were spent at the end of the game. You could see Clowney like hunched over and all that. So just playing so hard and for so long and so fast, that's what I think maybe made the difference. And of course, taking away the run game, which Phil did. So I'm just trying to bring up something else. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I actually think that it was a, a better or at least somewhat more aggressive plan of blitzing that did it because they actually did have more cornerback blitzes we saw ward get in there a couple of times mm -hmm. they had uh, jok blitz a few times what it felt like was they're basically rushing four but they're 
picking their spots to bring more pressure perfectly. And that's why, Chuck, I'm with you. I think whatever Joe Woods did this week, please keep doing, because that's what I think really got them to the point where every time you thought Minnesota might have a chance, here comes a perfectly timed blitz on second or third down that totally disrupts their offense. Doesn't necessarily, like you said, doesn't necessarily put Cousins on the ground, but it gets him rushing the throw. It gets him throwing into traffic, and it, it keeps them from from getting any rhythm this whole thing looking at this defensive performance compared to the bears game brings me back to one of the things that really pissed me off in between these two games was that the national media coverage was basically the bears were rotten their game plan was rotten their rookie quarterback wasn't ready and nothing about how well the browns defense played so i think this one's much different because this is a much better team that they beat it was an offense that was red hot at the time of course they didn't get nine sacks again but they completely shut them down is this the performance against minnesota where we can take a breath and relax a little bit and trust that this defense that we thought was there during the offseason when they were putting it together is here and is here to stay. Yeah, I definitely feel better about it. I, I think they're going they're going to be challenged again big time in these next few weeks too um, by some serious offensive talent. So I do feel way better. I, I understand what you're saying about the national media after the Bears game, but I didn't after that game, I didn't feel like, oh, the Browns defense has arrived. I just thought, all right, they did exactly what a dominant defense should do against a bad team, right? That's what we saw. So now let's oh, see. I what can't it, believe you're on the national media side. No, no, no. <laughs> Jerk off. I, I, I didn't say the Bears were the reason Austin the Browns Carr would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> he is part of the national media. <laughs> so, but my point was it was it was a dominating effort against a bad team. That's what a good defense should do, right? So that doesn't necessarily tell you that all right, they're going to be able to shut down a Chiefs or a Vikings or a Ravens or a Chargers or whatever. So then you line up against the Vikings and and I still I still think it was a more complete defensive performance against Minnesota, I leave that game thinking, all right, here we go. Now we've got a scheme on defense. They're starting to get it together. These guys are flying all over the field. They're so fast. I'm really excited to see them line up against some high-powered offenses and, and shut them down too. It would be great. Chuck, we spent all of last season every week sharing our Sendejo moments from each game. <laughs> Is the greatest Sendejo moment of all the fact that he woke up the front office to the need to build a lot of depth in the secondary? And, and what did you think about that? in this game it may be his lasting legacy here that uh, <laughs> he was just so well, i don't know what the right word is so shitty <laughs> that is a, oh damn we need to put somebody back there who can play and they addressed it multiple times in the offseason so uh, i would thank him for that i guess uh, i hope he's but but he signed somewhere right isn't the colts right the colts yeah. oh maybe the colts will be addressing their secondary next season um <laughs> So I don't know what was a question after this Indejo thing. I'm sorry. Just what do you think about the oh. secondary play? Uh, I, I like that there's real depth there uh, to see Greedy Williams get his first start and play really well uh, to see Enzo, uh, both guys who uh, made a, either made a mistake early on in the game and uh, made up for it much later. Uh, I thought they both played really great games. So you're seeing a little depth there. The safeties play well uh, if we're talking secondary. But uh, I, I think we're if we're starting to give out game balls at some point, I think we're all going to go towards the same person. I'm thinking. Uh, go ahead, Chuck. I think it's JOK. And here's what I, I truly think after seeing him. Not on my after... list. Go ahead. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I think we're seeing after two weeks of him playing an awful lot that we're really close. And I know they signed the guy from the Colts uh, as a Malcolm Smith, right? I think that's his name. I hope that's his name. There's uh, a guy named Malcolm Smith. hundred okay. percent. 
Right. Between the two of them, I think they had 15 tackles this game, but I think you're seeing JOK turn into what is going to become the play caller on that defense. He's unbelievably intelligent and it goes along with his agility, his speed and his power, which shocks me for a guy who looks like a cornerback out there. He, to me, has changed the way and and granted, they address the secondary. So it may maybe makes him shine a little more, but he jumps off the TV Every time I see him on it, he's he's constantly around the ball. And I'm hoping like this dude is an anchor now for that linebacking core and becomes the play caller on that defense. If it's not the guy they brought in from the Rams uh, in the safety slot, who I think they said was going to be the play caller. I think it's going to be JOK before the end of the season. Well, I think it was Walker until he got hurt. Yeah. And, and now it might be Smith, but no yeah. argument on JOK, man. Uh, he, I think he had another fantastic game. And let's give that guy about 10 NFL games and see where he's at, because it might be it might be real special by then. Mm-hmm. Phil, how about you? Game ball for the defense. I agree that JOK should get a game ball, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the defensive front four for the end of the game when the game was still unbelievably in question because we were only up by a touchdown and the the Vikings had to pass on every down. Joe Woods didn't call any blitzes and he basically rushed four guys that entire last possession. And those four guys got after cousins. They, they knocked a pass down. I mean, both, uh, Interior lineman, Tech McKinley had a good game. You saw Clowney chasing down running backs, and, and Garrett got in there for a half sack. So, again, I, I was impressed with the defensive line play at the end of a game, and they were exhausted, but they somehow dug deep and without any blitzes called and shut that passing attack down. I went with Clowney, but Greedy Williams was also on my list. Um, yeah. I just think Clowney was in the backfield disrupting constantly it seems and i think this is what we expected because if you looked at some of the replays where they had miles garrett triple teamed well the guy who's going to benefit from that is Clowney, and i think he took advantage of it and he was breaking up running plays he was chasing cousins around he was really good so he's Clowney gets my game ball but honorable mention to greedy williams and the rest of the secondary for playing well so enough vikings game next week the browns travel to la to play the chargers who are currently winning 21 to nothing at halftime against the Raiders on Monday Night Football. They're coming off of a really big win the previous week against the Chiefs. I thought when we went through our preseason picks that the Chargers were probably a year away from being really good, and I think it looks so far like I was wrong again in a prediction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're looking pretty good. Our preseason picks were split. Uh, Burke and I had the Browns winning the game against the Chargers next week. Miller, Danko, and Chucky all picked the Chargers. So any interest from either of you in changing your pick? God, I would I would love to, but I'm not yeah. going to. <laughs> I feel exactly the same as Phil. I think it'd be maybe reconsidered if it was in Cleveland, but the fact mm-hmm. that they're going across country, that team is really good offensively. They have a really good young quarterback they have a nice receiving core they have a good running back their defense plays pretty well so yeah yeah they have (laughs) everything that's good yeah they have everything that's good um so i i just think going across country uh, that might be a little rough i think the defense plays well again and i hope the offense plays better i would assume the browns need to score more than 14 points to win this game yeah maybe to win the first quarter all right i'm (laughs) gonna stick with my pick too i assume burke who who's out tonight with suspected food poisoning he's gonna change his pick (laughs) so he's gonna he's gonna go from the browns to the chargers because 
Um, he gets scared real easy and changes <laughs> his mind. Um, but I'm sticking with the Browns. That would be an enormous win if they can pull it off. And hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, L.A. is fired up to play on Monday Night Football and to play against the Raiders tonight. And next week is a bit of a letdown game for them. With that, fellas, we'll close that segment. We'll come back and uh, talk some end-of-the-year tribe baseball unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor nba top shot the industry leader in blockchain collectibles is expanding its collection and looking for new contributors with regular guy top shot now your day-to-day can become a valuable collectible all you need is a cell phone video and our crypto tech Lower the hoop to six feet and posterize your 10-year-old? That could be a collectible an investor might pay millions for. Just turn your 11-year-old daughter's weak cheese into a towering backyard wiffle ball bomb, hit submit, and watch the cash roll in. Smoke your 5-year-old in a race from the car to the house while yelling Usain Bolt? Can you say instant classic? Regular guy Top Shot isn't even limited to sports. The next time someone asks you to open a pickle jar, record... Submit and watch as your old man's strength becomes a permanent highlight. Wife needs something from the tall cabinet? Let America see and bid on your impressive reach. Hop on the blockchain collectible train carefully so you don't turn an ankle today. Submit your everyday highlights to regular guy Top Shot. Fellas, welcome back to segment two. We will wave goodbye to the tribe. Our first ever and last ever. Season recap of Cleveland Indians baseball. The tribe closed out the season with a tough week, but they finished with a 6-0 win over the Royals for the last ever Cleveland Indians game. After the game, I decided to look back at some of our old episodes from the spring and try to look at some of the things we got right and maybe some of the things we got wrong. Chuck, during one of our spring preview episodes for the tribe, you called Fran Mill Reyes a legit windmill. I did. <laughs> he yep. finished hitting 255 this year with 30 home runs, 85 RBIs. He did have 148 strikeouts, and he missed some significant time right in the middle of the year. So, Phil, was mm-hmm. Chuck right or wrong to call Reyes a legit windmill? I think spring? he's a baby windmill. Uh, I think <laughs> I think uh, I think the legit windmill is Bobby Bradley. If you look at the strikeouts per per uh, games played. <laughs> Can we call him like a pinwheel? Instead of a windmill, he's a pinwheel. Yeah, I mean, a lot of strikeouts, right? And, he, and to your point, Gerbs, he missed some time, but yep. he's putting up the power numbers, the RBI. No, that's what you want out of your the middle of your lineup. And it's just hard to get used to the fact that if someone hits 250, that's your four-hole hitter. Yeah, you know, it's a, okay. Yeah. He, struck, he struck out a lot. We'll see. I don't um, know. 148 doesn't sound yeah. like that much for a guy who's hitting for power to me. But, right. I mean, right, I right. think that's just what baseball is. Yeah, so right I, I agree with Chuck. He's a, he's a pinwheel. <laughs> I'm going to say Chuck was wrong. I, I think Fran Mill had the season I, that we, yeah, that we hoped, right? Yeah. I would say I was wrong too. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, like you said, 30 dongs uh, miss significant time. Yeah. If you're hitting that many home runs, you're going to strike out. So I would have thought, what do you finish? How many strikeouts? 148. All right. So if it was like over 200, let's say he was a, a windmill, but he didn't get there. So no, I was wrong. I will admit I was wrong. I'm not trying to shame you. Uh, I don't you know, feel I'm shame. not trying to punish you. I'm just saying that this was a prediction I agreed with at the time this spring, but I think what we had hoped was that Fran Mill was going to develop into something like this, a little bit higher batting average. I mean, if this guy does 270, 30 home runs and 100 RBIs every year for the tribe, we're going to love him. 
in the middle of the this line. guy. But, this guy is is definitely penciled in as your cleanup hitter going into next year. There's you don't there's no even debate about that, right? Yeah. Like, all right, this yeah, this is right. your guy. Yeah, yeah and I so think you're good. excited about what he can do. He seems to me to be a guy who takes this very very seriously and wants to get better and wants to be that anchor in the middle of the lineup. So I'm excited for that. I made jokes during spring training about Brian Shaw being old and terrible. All he did this year was pitch in 81 games with a 3.5 ERA and basically be a solid option all year. So Chuck, was I right or was I wrong? And even if I was wrong, was the joke still good in the spring? (laughs) Well, the joke was still very good. Oh, thanks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but you were wrong. But this is another case where it's like, I think you would be happy that you were wrong. He had a hell of a year for somebody that a lot of us said, why the f*** is he back on this yeah. team? What's the point of bringing this dude back in? And he made us all eat shit sandwiches. So I'm I'm happy for him. Phil, how was your shit sandwich? Oh, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was delicious. Um, yeah, it, I mean, he he appeared in half of the games. That's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. unbelievable. And I think also in what was a really young bullpen, I got to imagine that dude was a veteran presence and hopefully a relaxing presence for them during the season because, I mean, he was great. He was great in what ended up, I think, maybe being uh, one of the strengths of the team for sure was that bullpen most of the year, especially the back end. So, Phil, episode 14, you were extremely confident in our outfield defense. That prediction was made before they decided to try Bigger Beard Rosario in center field and before they signed Harold Ramirez. So, Chuck, was Phil right or wrong or was he right but for all the wrong reasons? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, um, right. Try to follow that yeah. one. <laughs> I, I, that's. I think he was right for all the wrong reasons, and plus, he didn't know they would make a move for Miles Straw, who probably ends up being the best outfielder on this team, uh, whom contributed over whatever how many games it was. But Phil, uh, whatever that C option was, that's the right one. I was definitely right for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I, I, I didn't have any sort of inside track on knowing that we would sign a legitimate center field leadoff hitter. And I'm so glad that we did because that made all the difference for the rest of the season. I think it's hilarious that we discussed the outfield during spring training and like three weeks later, it was totally different than what we expected because we were saying Eddie Rosario in right. We were saying Eddie Rosario in left Oscar Mercado in center and probably Zimmer in right. And Mercado and Zimmer didn't even make the team coming out of camp. <laughs> and we had we had Rosario trying to play center field. And then they signed Harold Ramirez, who's terrible. But I think, Chucky, you're right. The same way we look at Fran Mill holding down the middle of the lineup next season, I think we see Straw holding down center field in next season. And that makes a world of difference in that outfield. And I think made a, a big difference in the improvement in the second half of the season that that outfield had. Um, on a defensive basis. So, Phil, can you describe the season in one word? No. <laughs> <laughs> no hitter? No hitter? I oh, got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, it's, it's hyphenated. It's hyphenated. Does that count? I don't no, care. <laughs> no hitter. No hitted. <laughs> is eh, a word? I don't know. It was like. It, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Like I, I am, I feel good about this team next year. I just do. Like, I, I feel like we've got a lot of questions answered in this past year. And assuming that the one through three starting pitchers don't, don't go down again next year, I like what we got coming back and, and in our division too. I, I feel good about it. I don't know. 
I, I think the Guardians will never have a losing season. Wow. Hot take. Chuck, how about you? First of all, go ahead and thank me for not coming to you with this question first. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You're right. Probably whirlwind. I will say that because Good. we yeah. all had different expectations. Uh, some of us uh, on the podcast thought they would make the playoffs. Some of us did not. Yep. Uh, we could have never foreseen the injuries that pitching staff had. We could have never foreseen guys playing out of position as everyday major league baseball players. We could have ever foreseen them having a winner winning record going into the all-star break with absolutely no offense. And I don't think we could have saw coming that very young pitchers developed very quickly. Uh, at least Quantrill and McKenzie showed really great flashes yeah. of brilliance that, holy shit, uh, we might be stacked one through five uh, in the coming years with these young dudes, like guys developing that were put into positions they should have been in. Uh, also, guys who we thought that would develop got, got called up from the offensive side did not. Uh, so a, a little bit of a whirlwind. And oh, Throw in the fact that a lot of the fan base absolutely hates the fact that you're changing your name. Uh, so there was just a lot going on this season, but I'm with Phil. I feel pretty good about where this is heading next year, uh, at least from a pitching standpoint. And if they're healthy and if Tito comes back, uh, I think there's a lot to talk about, which is always good for uh, for us and for fans in Cleveland. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, whirlwind might be uh, my one word answer. That's way well, better than mine. <laughs> we, we should be we should be friends. Because hey. I had two that I was debating between. The first one was ouch, just because of all of the injuries. Um, you lose Bieber for 100 days this season. Savali was hurt for an extended period of time. Reyes on the DL. Josh Naylor missed half the season when he was just starting to play well. But instead of going with ouch, I went with success. Because by halfway through the season, we kind of thought this might be a 500 team. And they finished pretty close to that, even though they were, you know, two games under 500 at the end. They got to see a ton of these young players and, and develop those guys and see improvement from them. And in the face of all those injuries to the guys you thought were going to carry the team, we saw a bunch of other guys step up. We saw a bunch of questions answered. And I think it's a success because I think they can come back next year with that opportunity that the Indians love. Just a couple small free agent moves really solidifies the team. And then you just hope that all these young guys take the next step. So I'm going to go with success. And I think you guys both agree with me. You guys are both saying right around the yeah, same yeah. things, man. That's why yeah, we're we excited. Yeah. That's why we we're do. excited yeah. about yeah. it. Absolutely. So Chucky, who was your offensive MVP for the tribe this year? Uh, I tried to never name him. Uh, mostly because you never came to me like who had a great week and <laughs> he went hey it's jose ah, i can't wait to let this one go i need a new segment for next year yeah i'm sick of uh, you guys crying about this it i'm not crying i'm just i've learned the format uh, crying, so you're crying. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's jose ramirez uh, who continues to produce and be playing above his pay grade for sure uh, he is an absolute superstar who probably would be uh, a top five face of baseball if he's in a much larger market. Uh, he is fun to watch at all times. Uh, and I'm happy he's here for what, two more years. I think we controlled two more years. Yep. Um, so I would hope they would pay that man. Uh, but knowing uh, this front office, they're not going to pay that man. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy the next maybe a hundred plus games before they even decide to trade him unbelievably consistent. So it's him for me, Phil, obviously Jerry Ram. He ended up with what? 35 home runs. Um, 36, 36, 36. Ah, I short, I short changed him. Sorry, Jose. Um, so yeah, 36 home runs, a ton of RBIs and doesn't strike out. 
Like if you look at his strikeouts, I think it was half of what Fran Mill had <laughs> or, or thereabouts. Anyway, I, it was like 80 something. I think I saw he, he doesn't strike out. That's impressive for a guy that hits for that power. 87. Uh, 87. See, I, yep. I remember looking at that at some point. So yeah, it's, it's definitely Jeremy. If, if I had to give it to another guy, if that's our rule here, I don't know if it is. No, nope, it's not. I, it's not. All right, good, good. I had a guy though. <laughs> I, just, I was impressed. Offensively, none of us saw bigger beard Rosario doing what he did. No shit. Offered, right. Offered for sure. Ball. Right. So if, right. if there's a, another award to be given, maybe not a game ball, but we'll just uh, hold on to it. Like, all right. Oh, hold that thought. Hold that thought. I like it. I, I had J-Ram as well, and, and for the same reason you guys were saying, just the flat-out consistency. I think that guy had one slump that was two weeks long the entire summer, and other than that, he, he shows up every game. He hits for power. You know, he runs the bases well. He does smart things on the field. J-Ram was my offensive MVP, too. For the pitching staff, who would be your MVP? The entire pitching staff, so that includes the bullpen? Yep. You know what? I'm going to give it to Clausake. At the beginning of the season, it was kind of a flip of the coin as to who was going to kind of be the closer because we had two very young guys that had electric stuff going out there and you saw pretty quickly like he really took command of all right i am the guy that at the end of the game can come out here and just get outs there's games where he would strike everyone out that he faced there's games where he would have no strikeouts but I, i can't tell you how many times i looked and in a week's time he had three or four appearances and gave up one hit and no runs and he did yeah. that all season he's already at such a young age probably our most consistent closer with that kind of stuff in our lifetime because all the other consistent closers we had through 88 you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great i don't know i don't know Doug how they Jones, have 40 there's a lot of a lot of line drive outs to center field you know, like, all right, i don't know about that uh so i'm gonna give it to class a on the entire pitching staff how about you chucky I'm right on top of Phil. I never once mentioned his name during the weekly recaps, but Phil's right. Dude had a lights out season with a six stat line. I think it might have looked a little different if uh, the starting pitching wasn't hurt or the veterans didn't get hurt, but it, I, I think it's him. The guy was lights out all year long. Well, this is really boring because I had class A too. <laughs> oh, we, we all watched the same team, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, it was weird, I think, picking him just because. He only had 24 saves, you know, so it wasn't like a real high number. It wasn't like those years when like Wickman would have like 40 or something like that, or, or Cody Allen would have a bunch or something like that. It wasn't that type of season, but he was, he was so great. And, and especially the second half, he probably gave up one run in like three months at the end of the season. It's just incredible. So class A was mine too. Uh, so last one, Chucky, you get to go first. Oh, MVPs great. aside. Who is your favorite player to watch on the team this year? So it can be any, it doesn't have to be offense or pitching or anything. Along Anybody. Those lines. I can pick whoever I want to go with the coach. If you want. Yeah. I think it's, it's a toss up between the two young pitchers between McKenzie and Quantrill. Right. And I think the stat line on Cal was much better, but there were times in that like three start run that McKenzie just looked unhittable yep and i was like oh man uh he he reminds it gosh he probably won't have the career or probably snort as much cocaine but body type like doc gooden his wow. first couple of years where he was There's just still a time. stick of a human being <laughs> right, right. I, I don't know if he's at doc doc's level but like he just looks Wait, too thin doc's to throw level for what <laughs> like his body his, his, his like if you watch Doc Gooden's like first three years, he, yeah. he looked like he weighed 110 pounds and he yep. threw an absolute gas. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was the, they were the most fun to watch uh, when they were on. And I guess if I did offensively, you know, it's, it's the pinwheel, you know, cause I was a little bit wrong. Like when that dude got into a ball, oh, it was really yeah. 
fun to yeah. see somebody hit something that far. Phil, what about you? Favorite player to watch this year? Favorite player to watch is a is a tough question, man. I feel like because I, I was really impressed with bigger beard Rosario, but he it, it wasn't like awesome to watch, right? It was like, all right, the guy was getting clutch hits yeah. and hitting the ball. And he, he was, I will say this, he was a professional base runner. I did like to see that. He, he knows how to run the bases. I enjoyed watching the addition of Miles Straw, maybe as an ex-center fielder. I thought like, okay, this guy can can control the, the defense, right? He can control the outfield. We're, we're not worried about what's happening out there. And he was that guy that he... He somehow affected games even when he would go hitless. You know, he would draw a walk, steal a base, you know, have the speed to score from second on a on a, a single from the guy behind him or what have you. So I I was excited watching a guy like Straw play. It was almost like a it was almost like a throwback kind of leadoff hitter or center fielder. You know, I, I want to say I would like to see his average get up, but maybe in today's game he is. I mean, he's hitting he hit two seventy five for us yeah, or something like that. That so might be a leadoff hitter it. now. Yeah, that yeah. might be right. it. I'm going with uh, Ahmed Rosario. I think yeah. that watching him improve throughout the course of the year and constantly reminding us that he was a small part of that Lindor trade. He was not the main piece, but he ended up being a guy that you know they want back next year and who's going to have a huge role with the team. And it just seemed like he was always getting two hits a game. And then every once in a while, he'd have those crazy games where he'd have four hits and five RBIs. And it was just a lot of fun to see a guy that you didn't expect play that way, play at a, at a really high level all season long. And, and he did it from beginning to end. He really was good all season long on offense. I don't love him on defense. I don't think he's the answer at shortstop. I think he's really bad at turning double plays. On offense, he was one of my favorite guys to watch. So I'm going with Rosario. But that is it for the Cleveland Indians 2021 season. That's it for our recap. I'm excited for 2022. Uh, I'm excited to talk about the Guardians first year and the players that they're bringing back for next year. So sometime soon in the spring, fellas, it's only like six months away. We get to start talking about <laughs> baseball again. But for now, we're going to take our final break and we will come back and we will head to northern Jersey. Newark. All right. <clears throat> get a beer. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. There is almost nothing as annoying as sitting down to get some work done and learning that your laptop or computer needs to go through a Windows update. You have no idea why you need an update and no idea how long it will take. Sometimes the computer shuts down and just starts back up on its own for more updating. There is no way to know if this is actually doing something. You're just stuck staring at the blue screen with a bunch of little white dots chasing each other in a circle. Listen, we get it. Techies will tell you that if you just check for updates regularly, it will not take as long to complete the process. Thanks, Pete. Really helpful information now. Or the coffee shop hipster set will tell you to just go with a Mac and never worry about it again. Awesome. I barely understand my iPhone, and I can't even find where a Word document is on a Mac. This frustration is exactly why Unprofessional and Unprepared developed the Windows Update Speed Booster a patented tool that helps speed up the update process so you can get back to work. Use the speed booster to smash those update times, bash Windows slow speed, and get back to crushing your workload. Listen, the speed booster is a hammer. That's it. Use a hammer, even your own. You don't even need to buy ours. Use a hammer, smash your computer, and then the update will stop. Then go buy a new computer. That process will be faster. 
the unprofessional and unprepared Windows Update Speed Booster. Trust us, you will feel better for at least a little bit. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll go off the field and go way off the field, all the way to northern New Jersey. All three of us managed to watch at least once and sometimes twice the Many Saints of Newark, which premiered October 1st on HBO Max and in theaters. Did either of you guys go see it in a theater? No. No. Okay. Yeah, neither did I. I watched it. <laughs> I watched it both times from the comfort of my couch. Yeah. I would like to go through some aspects of the movie with you guys. I would really like to avoid any spoilers because we are recording this and releasing it only four or five days after it came out. So there are probably at least some of our listeners and maybe people who will someday come back and listen to this who haven't listened to it yet. I'd like to start first talking about the characters. Phil, who was the best younger version of an original cast character? Oh, man. In the movie. I was actually thinking about that the entire time I was watching the movie. I'm like, oh, who do I like? This is all these throwbacks. Right? I, who do I like the best? And I'm going to I'm going to go with Silvio because that dude was so stupid. Like it was like a caricature, a caricature <laughs> yeah. of Silvio. Right. That like was the, re- the problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. So but I couldn't help but laugh the entire time. And I think that was the idea. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm like, what are they doing so in terms of the best young version, he wasn't the best, but he was the one that I couldn't stop thinking about because it was just so ridiculous. And I feel like what I was about to say about him is a spoiler alert. So I'll leave it alone, but it had to do with his, his hairdo. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite um, scenes though, at, toward the end, one of my favorites. I want to revisit Silvio, but Chucky, what was, what was yours? I think it's still uh, just because I don't know, like, was it really that over the top? I mean, it was the most, obnoxious parts of sill from the series that was constant with this dude but he was pretty right on with like the mannerisms and stuff he was yeah he was yeah even like Uh, the way he would stand from behind i'm like oh my god right (laughs) yeah Yeah. to me it was over the top it was too much it was like a caricature and it's like why why are we doing this and the other thing that threw me off about silvio is how old is he in that movie yeah i am like the early 70s right because it looked right. to me like he's at with least all of them but silvio was the one that's like like paulie still looked really young in many saints i think they did so a good job with paulie's age like that looked right yeah. right like, but Pauly's silvio age... looked like he was 40 in the right. 70s which <laughs> makes him 90 when like <laughs> What's he <laughs> his hair it's fantastic at the end of the movie he looks 20 years younger that yeah. i couldn't get past the fact that like the timeline doesn't make any sense with him at that age yeah yeah in the movie compared to i always like thought tony's he age, was right? tony's age they had right, daughters right. who were the same age remember they were playing right. soccer together yep. i would have pegged him at late 40s early 50s i would have also pegged him as a guy who came up with tony not mm-hmm. a guy who was already kind of established when tony was still a cheerleader or cheerleader moron um <laughs> oh, still a teenager yeah. it's funny you guys went um you guys went a different direction than i did you guys went with what was like kind of like funny the, the lady who played livia yeah she i was thought good. was outstanding in the movie man like you mm-hmm. could you could see without it being a caricature you you could see the older Livia in everything that lady was doing. And you could sense just the, the gloom and doom and mental illness and just what a wreck mm-hmm. Livia Soprano is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although bear with her, the, the part where they're driving in the car and she's running her mouth and he just, and Tony's dad just yeah. fires a gun over her head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
like through yeah. her hair. Through <laughs> Did they not mention that in the actual series? Isn't I there a part where I they talk know. about I don't that? Remember very that? Yeah, I thought there. It wouldn't was surprise that. me, but um, yeah, I, that was a weird scene to me. I I, I watched it. I'm like, just oh, that man. one? No, 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 not just that one. But that was a weird one. Like that one was like, wait a minute. Like is that like I thought the same thing. Is that a is that a throwback to something I I don't remember from the right. series? Right. Like that right. was really out there like holy yeah crap, what just happened I, I think tony's dad in the movie comes off uh much worse than he did in the show like i think i, ha I have a, like a little bit more sympathy for livia after mm -hmm. seeing yeah. that the scene where he shoots her hair um <laughs> and the way he talks to her when he comes back from jail and like she's having the party and stuff like that like yeah. you kind of yeah. see like gosh man like she's a lunatic but there's a reason for that. What, what did you guys think about his, like the portrayal of his dad compared to what maybe we saw in the, in the show when it was on. If I'm trying to remember the series correctly. Cause it seemed like the spotlight was more on the problems with his mother, that he held his dad in right. much higher regard. For you know, sure. I, and I didn't feel any of that uh, when it came to the way that character was written for the movie, it, it was almost shallow. Uh, he didn't have much of an impact on Tony, at least from what they showed in this film, hardly at all, uh, like almost like he didn't matter in his life, at least for the storyline of this movie. Yeah, I got the sense that they almost try to turn his dad into a tougher gangster than he was ever portrayed in the original series. Like Tony even Tony even spoke in his therapy sessions in this in the series about how his mother destroyed his father like right. wore him down like yeah. he was a weak man yeah. he was nothing yeah. he was nothing he was nothing and that wasn't how he was portrayed in this movie at all yeah it was it was like you said Gerbs, it was almost like all right yeah you could see her kind of snapping i mean look what he just did <laughs> you yeah. know kind of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's maybe that's what comes you know yeah. maybe that's mm -hmm. still you know as, as these characters develop over the course from going from the 70s to the 90s maybe that's what maybe that's what comes maybe, maybe that that whittling down starts to happen who was your favorite new character in the show one that wasn't part of the sopranos cast i don't know about character but my my favorite new actor in the movie was ray liotta because he played two characters and i was like man that his characters are awesome yeah. and they're awful, yeah. but they're awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. like there were times like his maniacal laugh. I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I don't know that he's acting right there. <laughs> like that's just Ray Liotta. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know about new character, but I, in terms of a new actor, I think he did a great job with both roles. Chucky. Probably the dude who's on Joe Rogan's podcast. A lot of time, Joey Diaz, who, uh, I mean, his, just because I know him from Joe Rogan's podcast and from being a stand-up comedian, uh, and he's a really funny guy who's Cuban, but I always yep. thought was Italian. And so he portrayed it really well. And, you know, and spoiler alert until his head explodes uh, in, the, <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> did, you uh, catch thought, the, did you catch the line, Chuck, where they called him a comedian? It was awesome. No. Oh, oh, man. No, so no, on no. my second watch, it's early oh, in the I'm movie. They, they, he's him. trying to make a joke uh, and they're right. like, oh, nice. No, yeah, right, it's just, the comedian again. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seemed like he was the ball breaker in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's why he was the the new character. I like I, I have problems with both Ray Liotta characters. So I'm going to go with Joey Diaz. <laughs> yeah, one. I mean, there's a lot of problems for sure. <laughs> well, I, I was going to go with my favorite new one was was Hollywood Dick Moltisanti because I thought <laughs> Ray Liotta's first character was was wildly entertaining, of course, until he throws his wife down the steps, then not so good. But uh, I thought he was pretty good. But I thought it was 
really strange and, in my opinion, unnecessary for Ray Liotta to play two characters. Two characters, like, right? Why, like, why was, ever, was there ever mentioned that he was there were twins? Like, why was that even a thing? <laughs> like, I don't and it really it threw me off when he killed him. And he him on, well, anyway, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, throws me off when the it, first man. one goes on vacation. Um, <laughs> and then the second one's there. I'm like, wait a minute. What, what is the rest of the movie right. going to be a flashback? What's going to happen? I check it. I don't know what you think, but um, I, I don't know that I love that particular like use of the characters in, in the movie. It just didn't seem necessary. No. So to me, you're exactly I had the same confusion you did. I was like, is this a flashback? When did when did when Hollywood Dick go to jail? I didn't understand. You saw that, that in the previews, that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really understand that. There, I guess if that's the big reveal, well, it's not the biggest reveal of the movie that wasn't really full of any of them, but it was a reveal enough <laughs> that there's a there's a twin here. Uh, the problem I had with Hollywood Dick is it reminded me of the way Leota played uh, in Field of Dreams, where he gets really excited and yells about Shoeless Joe and we told him to fucking stick it. Like, that's how he acted the entire, yeah, the time. entire time. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, and I was just like, yeah, I, I don't know. And I had really high hopes for Leota in this. And there were parts that were that, that he did really well, but uh, it got muddied for me when he's playing two guys and one of them was super over the top and the yep. other one was forlorn and draw back and talk yeah. quiet and talk slow and was the voice of reason in the film. I don't yeah. know. Overall impressions of the movie where it fits as a part of the, the legacy of the Sopranos. Chuck, I feel like you've got you've got big time feelings. Let us, let us have it, man. <laughs> oh, let it go, man. Let's just let us have it. Yeah. It was awesome to get really excited about the fact that there would be an origin or a prequel. Uh, it was great to see not one, but two trailers lead me to believe I'm going to watch something that was on par with the series, which may have been unfair. Uh, I realize it may have been unfair. The problems I had with this movie was um, a lot of the characters we talked about them were caricatures of what they were on the show. Uh, you, I, I, I thought I was going to watch a origin of Tony Soprano, and that's not the movie. Uh, you're watching uh, Dickie Moltisante's story. In the pro the biggest problem I think is that we had multiple seasons to root for Tony Soprano. Uh, even though he was a piece of shit and a terrible human being, you wanted him to win. You had two hours for them to try to convince you to root for Dickie Moltisante. And all I wanted to do was kill him. He is a <laughs> terrible person. There was nothing redeeming. There was too many plots that he, made he coached no blind kids playing baseball. <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's redeeming. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. It's a, a wonderful scene that made zero sense to zero the sense. Like, it, you, it's the almost film. i'll tell you what that scene you almost can't tell if that's something he has conjured in his mind to just tell right. this guy or if it actually right. happened because i think that's one of the reoccurring themes you'll always see in the sopranos is these guys are always on right. the hustle, man. You never know when they're telling you the truth. The, your best right. friend in the world is lying right to your face and they do it in this amazingly convincing way. And so you right. have no idea whether that's even a, a, a real thing or not. Correct. Like, is yeah. there a and redeeming that's a, that's quality a, that's a, to him or is he just really horrible? good point? 
Yeah. Right. That's a that's a really good point. I think in his actions in two scenes, he's a really horrible person. Oh, yeah. Uh, when it came to, you know, yeah. when you watch it, you'll know yep. what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The way the film opened, I thought, oh, man, this might be f-ing awesome yeah. that they yeah. have Michael Imperioli yep. voicing over as Christopher. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be really right again. I don't think maybe you guys will disagree with me. I don't think they need to spend uh, a quarter of the film proving how racist these guys were or the country was. Uh, It didn't make much sense to me to set up what was happening. I I get it. If you've seen the show, you already know. Or or if you know anything about (laughs) that time frame in the mafia, you already know. Um, And and the, the, the end wasn't satisfying either. You go to the end, you go to a screen, you cut back and and you see that character has moved into a white neighborhood uh, and he's one and it's real good. And you're supposed to feel good about it. But the thing is, he's still a piece of shit. That's the problem (laughs) with a lot of these, like a lot of these characters, right? Like you're picking who you're rooting for, but they're all terrible people. And I didn't feel like uh, and throughout this, I rooted for anyone. I didn't root for anyone. Uh, it was nice to see the guy who played junior. Uh, the fact that I made a joke about, uh, well, I hope we find out if he has the makings of a varsity athlete. I never f-ing thought that would be yeah, in the script yeah, that's for this actually film. in the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Didn't think, yeah I didn't think he needed to say motherless <laughs> more than once, but he did. No, like, this, he did. He brought out sisters twice. Uh, it was, right, it was yeah, too yeah, many. It, it right, was too many. It, we didn't was, need that. Yeah. It was, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'll watch it. It's going to be a hard edit right there, by the way. I'm All sorry. of us saying uh, over each I, other. I, yeah, <laughs> I apologize that I keep going further and further, but I had more problems with it than I did enjoyment. And that's not a, that's not how I wanted my experience to end yeah. with this, because I don't know where it's heading. Yeah, you have another time period here where they can do another movie. But the, the real reveal for me and my dumb ass as a half Italian man is that I didn't realize Malta Sante legitimately means many, many saints. saints. It, many yeah. saints. Like, yeah. Yeah. You dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, what do you think? Oh man. Well, uh, Chuck covered a lot there and, and I'm I, sorry. I did. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I think that was awesome. There's a reason I want, I wanted to watch it a second time before we recorded tonight is because the first time I watched it, I watched it without interruption. I watched it straight through, which is rare for me these days to get through a two hour <laughs> movie straight through. It wasn't that I wasn't entertained. I was, but that's, I knew that going in. I knew like, all right, I love the Sopranos series. So I'm going to watch a two hour movie about this and just let it happen. I wanted to watch it a second time because afterwards I thought, yeah, I don't think that was that good. I hated to say that to myself. I'm like, I don't think that was that good, but, and maybe to Chuck's point, we're being unfair here because it is so hard. Like you're, you're talking about character development over the course of a series that went year after year, every episode, one hour long. So every season, six to eight episodes at, at minimum, you know, you know, so that's four times the length of this movie in every season. And you, you just don't get the development. So that's difficult. I felt like, they threw enough callbacks in there, I think, to make us laugh, but I don't know that it made it better. You guys already mentioned it. I was upset. I, I laughed. I, I laughed out loud, like in a sarcastic laugh when when Junior said sister the first time. I'm like, all right, yep. 
And when he said it the second time, I I almost wrote a letter. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, Why would you say that a second time in two hours? He said it one time in the entire series of Sopranos. It's one of the best lines ever. And now you've ruined it for everybody. Thank you very much. (laughs) You know, but uh, again, I, I feel like, I don't know, these movies, they come out. I try to like them because of how much I like the series. And it was good to get some of the background and some of the origin, I think, but I don't know. I'm going to still, I'm going to start it over again. I'm going to watch it a second time. Uh, There's some things I want to see again and think about again. I liked how the movie began and I liked spoiler alert. I liked the musical choice at the end of the movie. Like I thought, all right, that's cool because of the connection as it went to black. That was it though. Like between all that, I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I, I don't know what I'm, what I'm watching here. Uh, it was a bunch of characters that you could tell, like, we need you to hate this person. We need you to hate this person. It, it was hard. Like in the series, you were rooting for bad people. And to Chuck's point, I don't know that I rooted for anyone in this movie. I, I, I can't think of anyone that I rooted for. I would say as to how it fits in the legacy. I think that there is an attempt made at similar themes. Like there, there is something to, Dickie Moltisanti is trying to become better throughout the movie, but he is just strangled by his temper, by the world that he operates in and in, in the way that he was raised. And like, I watch this and then you watch the Sopranos. You think, gosh, is there, does anybody have a chance of coming out? Okay. Growing up in this world. You know, how did Tony ever have a chance when he was looking at his family constantly breaking the law and then looking at him and saying, why are you, you know, like robbing the ice cream man, which is one of the best lines of the movie when his dad is like, hey, we all did stuff like this when we were kids, you know, beat up the ice cream guy. (laughs) It was hilarious. So I think there, there are some themes like that, but mostly I thought the callbacks to the original show, I thought the emphasis on making sure we ran into as many of the old characters was way too much. I didn't yep. need it. I didn't right. need him to see him with Artie Bucco on the bus right. or correct or, or right. Carmela being there on the sidewalk yeah, when he right. gets exactly. in the fight and no. stuff like that. You yeah. didn't need any of that. What I loved about it was I love Christopher as the narrator because of like just the shock of bringing you back to how his character died in the show and that kind of like from the grave anger that was there was so cool to hear. Michael Gandolfini was amazing. I think there are moments where he had those like pensive, angry stares into the camera that uh, Tony did like so much during the series. You saw those, you thought, okay, I see it. I see Tony growing out of this into what he becomes in the Sopranos. But there was just there was just kind of too much nonsense all of, all the way around it. I will say Chucky for what it's worth, I watched it a second time today and I actually enjoyed it more the second time than the first. Overall, I don't know that this adds to my impression of the Sopranos at all. I don't think it was a great movie. I think it would have been much better as like a five part, like miniseries or something like that. Um, Absolutely. You know, we might all feel better about it if they hadn't sold it to us as the origin story of Tony and had just sold us, sold it to us as a Sopranos story. And here Mm -hmm. is the background for the guy that was Christopher's dad and was this huge figure in Tony's life and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think maybe part of the marketing is what ends up frustrating us in the end, but 
it is absolutely worth a watch, especially if you're a Sopranos fan, but I'm not going to put this anywhere near the, the pantheon of Sopranos episodes or seasons uh, by any stretch. But fellas, before we go, we got to hit the worst fantasy league ever. Good. So I don't know if you looked update. at, I don't know if you looked at your teams <laughs> at all from this week, but um, oh, yeah. Phil, do you have anybody that you're, you're not mad at? You're just disappointed with on your team. Yeah. Uh, Kittle. Uh, although this is kind of a weird thing because I'm mad at a, a, a tight end from the 49ers and I'm given a shit ton of orange slices to a wide receiver from the 49ers. So <laughs> I'm in the, I'm in this weird situation where I started two of the offensive studs on the 49ers and one had a ridiculous yeah. game and yeah. the other as one, will happen. Yeah. Right. So, you know, George Kittle gives me all of uh, eight points and he's one of the best tight ends in the league, but you know, it's, it's a balanced thing. So I'm disappointed in George. Chuck, have you had a chance to check your team? <laughs> no, I no. didn't make two changes though between this week because I was like, I, I can't be that dude who doesn't look all season. So I looked <laughs> and I realized I had uh Brandon Cooks on my bench and Jamar Chase. I'm like, well shit, I better put these guys <laughs> on the line. And then after that, I did not look. So I'm assuming that they probably outperformed the uh third wide receiver. First off, ESPN for not starting Brandon Cooks. Uh, on or, or Jamar Chase <laughs> in my lineup and doing the third receiver for the Steelers this year. Uh, so now I don't know. Uh, I assume Kelsey had a good game. So I'm going to say he probably did really well for me this week. I'm not positive, though. All right. Well, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed at my team doctor because uh, Gronk got injured. I've had like four uh, guys that I've lost to season ending injuries this year. So don't like my team doctor. Orange slice time. I think Chuck already gave us his. I'm not sure what question he was answering, but we're getting pretty late. Yeah. And it's been a long <laughs> <you> show. <laughs> so, Phil, who's getting your orange slices? Debo. Debo. <laughs> yeah. Debo um, Samuel scored like 50 points. <laughs> I'm giving mine really to good. my opponent, Joe Vaca. Because he yeah. started Christian McCaffrey, yep. even though yep. it was announced for like a week that he wouldn't be playing. So I'm assuming Joe <laughs> isn't checking his lineup either. So thanks, buddy. Extra orange slices for you. Shit talking time. Denko. Yeah. You play Chuck next week. What? Uh-oh. I think uh, so next week's pod, only one of us can wear the yellow jersey. Not both. Oh, that's true. There can only be one. Oh, this is like a Tour de France thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chuck, I think that was his shit talking. Chuck, you no, play Danko I got next nothing. Week. I got nothing. What's your shit oh. talking? I'm really agreeable with Phil. We seem to have a good chemistry on the we podcast should be and in life <laughs> and in life as friends. So I'm just gonna say, hey, Phil, let's have a good time on all Sunday. right. Yeah, and let's whatever we try out. real hard. Yeah, man. Like <laughs> our that we have no actual athletic ability involved on Sunday between me and you. So maybe if we meet halfway, I don't know where that would be. Uh, maybe Geneva, and we do like a hundred yard dash. Oh, man. I would be oh, wow. more. Um, I mean, I'd be into that. Yeah. I don't know what day though. Somebody film that. Um, <laughs> yeah, this fil film me tearing both my hamstrings yeah, yeah. as I run. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of felt a spasm creeping up just thinking about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I played Tursik this week, who is oh maybe my oldest friend in the world, and so Tursik, uh, your haircut hasn't changed in forty four years. <laughs> And I think my team can take advantage of that. Um, so you're going down next week. Before we actually close things out, I do want to talk a little bit about next week. We are not going to record an episode next week. I have some family stuff I've got to take care of. A uh, trip I'm taking with my dad. It's just going to get in the way of 
getting anything recorded. So we will be taking a week off, probably back the next week. Maybe not. Depends on how long this stuff takes. But uh, we will come back with our normal nonsense. But, you know, enjoy enjoy a Sunday off. As it will happen, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the entire episode without mentioning that former NBA champion Lamar Odom won a boxing match against Jennifer Lopez's ex-husband. Not Mark, Mark Anthony. Anthony? Oh, no. not Mark Anthony. <laughs> the other one. And no, 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 no. Not that one either. The other, other one. Not A-Rod. What happened? <laughs> ben Affleck? With that <laughs> head-shaking news behind us, I hope you guys have a great week. And let's get together and do this again real soon. Sounds yes. good. <laughs> yeah, I don't How know. How many it's times like- has that been married? Corey, Cody, Corey, Cody. Um, okay. Why the f- wasn't I told it was yellow t-shirt night uh, and Phil were for the show? Consulted. Right. What does your say, Phil? What's on My, your shirt? Mine's Austin Carr. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine, ju- mine just says wet t-shirts belong in the dryer. <laughs> Classy. Yes. I believe Austin Carr would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think that dude blocks too mm-hmm. which is another thing that like obj never gets any credit for on some of those oh, yeah. like long running plays man if you look it's obj pushing somebody around yeah. at the back end of the play that's like opening that up what if what if the problem really is obj <laughs> <laughs> what if that's baker's problem he can't he play be. with them he he's he's dog nervous. shit when he's on he's the field <laughs> He's too nervous when he's nervous. on the field. Yeah. Like, holy shit, like OBJ's talking out to here. a chick in high school. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Surprised that nobody mentioned that because I'm sure there's plenty of people. Oh, I'm sure. I, I didn't Collard listen to did. Cleveland Sport Talk today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there were plenty of callers saying it's OBJ's fault. I think Baker equally missed everybody. Everyone. Yeah, yeah he did. For sure. He did. Sure. He really did. I'm going to shut the door in my office real quick and then we'll get started. Cool. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so I'm sure we'll talk about it at a time, Chucky, but did you, did you like it? Mm. Uh, right. Like I, I had to mm-hmm. watch my whole, my I have, whole yeah, thought was I, watching it a second time. Like, you know what? I got to give this a second watch. Like I got to watch it a second time. Yeah. I assume I'll, I, 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 I should do that, but yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I wasn't impressed in yeah, the least. Yeah. In the least. Well, there were some good callbacks, but I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, excellent ones. Yeah. 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 For sure. Did you guys already start talking about it? No, no. We were, yeah. we were, we were talking about uh, <laughs> fucking um, Chuck and jumping the gun all me? day. It wasn't it was, it was me. It was me. Asked me. <laughs> it was me. I, I just said, hey, uh, uh, we won't ruin it for you. you. We know how we think, feel about it, but you don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just yeah. heard disappointed. As I, uh, I was talking about, was talking about. We're talking about L- Livia Soprano's tits. That that's what. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's weird. You yeah, liked it right? better in the original. That's yeah. really strange to go. <laughs> no, no, we weren't comparing it. We were just an over <laughs> overall rating. Uh, well, cut all that out. <laughs> like a Miller take. That's exactly what I was going to say. I expect this from Miller. I expect yeah. more from you as oh, co-host of the show. I'm sorry. I'll clean it. I'll clean it up. Stay classy. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
Uh, sorry if I went super long on the Sopranos thing. I was don't apologize for that, man. That was how much I really did not. I think it's going to be good. You 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 didn't enjoy it at all. Your passion came through, man. Like you wanted more out of that, and I felt it in what you were saying. You were disappointed. I had too many questions, uh, and I I don't want. I didn't want to sound insensitive or an asshole, but like legitimately, they spent the first quarter of the movie proving how racist these the mafia is and the country was. I get that. It's cool. Uh, I, I don't understand why they st- I, I know they needed a, a, um, a conflict at some point uh, and they got it with uh, how Dickie Maltesante and in his relationship changes over time and how he became empowered as a black man. Uh, but it just seemed so far off, like the entire shotgun fight. I didn't understand most of that. Like yeah. you're literally looking through a hole. So why yeah. doesn't somebody shoot the other person? Uh, and and it, yeah, um, un- unless there was a unsaid respect for each, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's kind of like when Pat Garrity's chasing Billy the Kid in Young Guns too, and he kind of lets him get away with it for a while. You know, like I I just didn't understand yeah. what that dynamic was going to. And be. you know, there was part of that 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 scene in particular was one that I didn't really like either because one of the things about The Sopranos as a show was you didn't really have many of those like crazy violent like right, shootouts right. like the like the killing yeah. part was much more controlled much more um like small scale like there were no I can't right. and maybe I'm forgetting something right now but I can't think off the top of my head a, like a big all over the street shootout mm. like that scene no. in the show just when like, so why are we doing to- it Right. Just when they tried yeah. to kill Tony, just like even the that. Drive was, and even that, that was just it. like two guys. Right. Yeah. It was still up close. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't. The pinky, the pinky swear thing. was so. Yeah. Like, oh, God. I was, you know, so like, I was just like, oh, but you and, and you didn't again. It was like um, it's an unforced error. Yeah. Because right. yeah. like if you just stopped and that and that look that Michael Gandolfini gives is the one at the end was the one I was talking. Yeah. About. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, right. It is the same fucking look of that Tony has looking at Jackie's casket mm-hmm. um in that episode right. he throws the dirt on it and that yeah. and the episode ends like with like like that close up on his face. Um yeah. and it's it's all the thoughts and it's all like the the stress and the anger and the love and all the craziness that goes into this life. You see it and you see I, I swear to god you do see the switch flip in tony when he's over multisanti's casket but then they add in like the pinky thing yeah so dumb right yeah why are we uh, doing this like if they cut the black right there and start playing the intro song from the sopranos you're like oh wait wow that's a good ending right nothing (laughs) gives me wood like hearing that song in (laughs) any circumstance yeah i was like i didn't like that um you know he kills his father and then he has a real love affair with his father's wife yeah, yeah. and there needed no to be one, a better way to do this yeah and, yeah and no one from the crew on gumar nights when they're right. out watching somebody's like hey you're with your old man's wife nobody, yeah. Yeah. nobody yeah. hey you kill your old man like, yeah. nope, no, there yeah. was nothing there that yeah I, I i i appreciated the fact that they tried to have a voice of reason in ray liotta's second character mm-hmm. or yeah. somebody to question dicky Maltesante, but it just it didn't wrap right i didn't understand you know like the jazz thing i was you know like i i, I, I didn't think understand those... the whole point of it you know i i in like the best way for me to someone and i could be super wrong is when he literally looks at him and he goes what do you want why are you here because that's mm-hmm. what i was thinking like 
Yeah. Why, Why the fuck is here? he yeah. there? Yeah. If he needs to be cleansed of it, like he's trying to be a better person and do okay, but it, it's tough. It's tough to do two hours where that's literally two episodes. You know, like they, I just couldn't get into yeah. the way they develop some of the characters. It just wasn't for me. Is is Ray Liotta's character in the prison God? And he's going to him. It's a really good ask, way to look at to it. Ask yeah. for yeah, man. advice you know, like, and ask for help. And I'll tell you what, like oh, you're so trans. That's a really good way. Multasanti yeah. Dickie does the right thing at the end. He stays away from Tony. <clears throat> yeah. Um, right. And it doesn't end up having the result he wants, which kind of brings me back to the, is there any way to come out of that? Right. Yeah, or, or is it a, a foregone really conclusion to that it. Tony's going to come to it? But um, that's the, watching it the second time. I got this, like, "Fuck, is Ray Liotta God? He's so, coming you know, to him and like asking him for these things looks, and and everything." Like the father, yeah, yeah, and, 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 yeah, exactly. The right? father is and he, God. And he was yeah. he was in he was in like all white kind of prison yeah. garb, you know, whatever. But uh, I wonder now that you say that, I, I have to finish watching it a second time. Like, I wonder, like that all the visits to the prison and everything he's telling that second Ray Liotta character about, all right, I'm going to do a good deed. I'm going to do a good deed. Like, is any of that happening outside of Dickie's mind? Mind. Any of it. Yeah. Any of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think think he never even goes to a prison. He never, you know what I mean? Like that's all his internal conflict. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, you know, you start peeling it back. I think David Chase is a smart enough fucking writer that he would write it that way. And he would call it many saints of Newark. And he Mm. would have known years ago that that's what Multisanti means. And he's, he's doing it on purpose. You know, like he's a pretty smart fucking dude. So Um, why, why the two hour, why did he write it so shitty? I don't know. No, 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 no. (laughs) I think, you know, we've, we don't need any more proof. We don't need any more proof when there's really good stories to be told. It's better done in a series. Even if it's a short series on things like HBO and Showtime and stuff like that, than it is in a two hour made for theatrical release movie yeah. it's just a better way to do these things and his initial series soprano it proved it like why so why did they go away from that why didn't hbo say give us five episodes i, I think he wanted to make a movie like i think he's pissed that it's on hbo max yeah. i think he wanted to make uh, a feature film he wanted get it, it on the, the big theater. screen and um yeah. make a shit ton of money why, with one. yeah and maybe he didn't I don't know that this guy has this is actually another one of my questions for you too, but we were we were getting long. Um, do we need any more sopranos? Are there good if stories is, still to be told right. or like, or no? Yeah, man. If this is the baseline, it terrifies me. Well, no, yeah. I mean you know, let's like let's it, assume yeah. they let's let's assume they muff the punt on this one. Mm-hmm. Are there more stories if they're told well that that you would want to hear or see? I, I if I'm looking at the characters, right, I would love to see a Polly story. Oh, yeah. yeah, I would love to see that. But if it's if that's the dude who's playing Polly, I don't want to see that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to see. So they spent, you know, like, I don't know, it's the first couple of seasons, Jackie Jr. and that stuff. And Jackie Jr. mimics what Tony did when he robbed a card game. I want to see that time frame where he's yeah. really getting into it yeah. and getting deep into it and, and becoming a force as a soldier or as, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like in, in the, mo- in the mob, I would be super interested in seeing that uh, because they spent a lot of time talking about it where this, you know, like Dickie Maltesante came up with a few, t- 
I don't know how many times in the series, but it just, I don't know if it warranted a movie. I, I don't know if his character warranted yeah. a movie uh, or if it did, it, it could have been way better. Half the time I was, I, I didn't know who the boss was throughout yeah. the first half of the movie. I, I didn't know if it's Leota. I didn't know if it's Tony's dad. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know who the boss was until junior said it goes through me, you know, like the, or th- that was it. I, yeah, it was. Yeah. And that was only because Tony's dad was in jail. Yeah. You right. Know, yeah. When he's in jail, right. everything goes through me. I was like, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I that, that's, and I'm I not guess. sure that I'm not sure you ever see a boss in the movie. I think it's just, it's, it's limited to just the crew. Right. It's just their crew. Right. You know, I don't know if you're right. ever dealing with, you know, the, the Jackie April equivalent that you get at the beginning of right. the first season yeah. of the Sopranos. Um, I mean, there, there's, I mean, I, you would, I would watch a Johnny sack movie. I would watch mm-hmm. a Phil Leotardo movie a origin story, or at least when they're coming in and how they got to the position yeah. they were, I would watch those. I think I there's characters that, that didn't get so much run that they could do a lot more with. Yeah. Uh, and kind of like Disney has done with the Mandalorian where it took a character that, that wasn't really yeah essential he was to that star all, right. Wars saga. And then everybody's like, this is fucking great. And then that know, leads to yeah. a Boba Fett show. Yeah. And then, you know, like that's what I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure I'll watch whatever they do. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. They, I mean, from a business standpoint, they know they have us. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah. We're, yeah. They We've yeah. watched it twice. I'm probably yeah, going right. to watch it again. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think that's, that, a, that's uh, a wonderful observation that I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't. Think I didn't think of that either. Leota's second God character thing. is yeah. God. That's yeah. a really or meant really to be or, or right. symbolic of that or something. But um, yeah. I would. Uh, I think if they're going to do more prequels, I think they have to give us a real Tony origin. And I think you're right. It's post high school, yeah. early twenties, you know, like he's on when he's almost like at Christopher's stage. I, I was and like I was working his way he up. Is, when he is the Christopher that we saw in the series, like that, that's what I'm yeah. like. Let's look at that. You know, And they yeah. could probably make that in like three years and use his kid again. Yeah, Gandalfini's sure. kid again as him because mm-hmm. he'll be right in that that age group. But I think, I think we all really want a, a Tony's still the most compelling character out of all. Of them. Yep. And, and if there's another story to be told, at least there's a story that really focuses more on him when he's younger. Um, and then uh, it, you know, at a time when Carmela would make more sense showing up, mm, you yeah. know, yeah, um, right. you know that I I think that's it, but. You could, you could keep doing stories. You just got to do them. You got to do them better. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. You know, the, um, funny thing you mentioned about Silvio's character. I, the first time I was watching the movie, I actually paused it halfway through and rewound to see if I misheard his name thinking, is that Silvio's dad? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck am I looking the at? The timeline right doesn't make any <laughs> yeah. sense. Like, that's no, what I thought. I'm like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. Maybe this no. makes more sense. Like, maybe because there was a scene of Tony with a bunch of kids his age, yeah. one of them being Artie Bucco. And I thought, oh, maybe he sills one of those kids. Right. And that's right. his dad. Yeah. And then, of course, they throw the fucking toupee on him at the end, which yeah, he, <laughs> that falls off his head during yeah. the one scene. I'm like, that's yeah. funny. But yeah. just, yeah. just awful, yeah. right? Like, oh, yeah. come on. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs>
What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?